0: Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? It's good to see you guys. Hey, there we go. Welcome to everybody watching online. And to everybody here in the building, I like that little bumper video, man. That was very intriguing. I'm excited, man. We've been talking uh, for the past, I guess, like month or so. We've been in a series. We were in a series called Explicit as a church where we were talking about navigating a lot of areas of sin in our lives. And ultimately, the conclusion that we came to is that we need to spend our lives pursuing intimacy with God and not the intensity of sin. And we we looked at the life of Samson. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the series, what you learn from Samson's life is a lot of what not to do. And then as we were navigating it, man, we, we started talking about David. And we started seeing a lot of good things to do. And though he wasn't a perfect man, God said that he was a man after his own heart that David was a man after God's own heart and we were able to see just by how David prioritized his life why God would say that because David David said man if there's just one thing that I could have in this life God it's just to be with you just to dwell in your house just to gaze upon you that's the only thing that I want and We started down that journey of what it would look like for our lives to to be that way, for that to be our number one desire. As Christians, as followers of Christ, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, God in the flesh and prioritized relationship with the Father and just doing what the Father had sent him to do. As followers of Christ, We should live as Christ did and do the same thing. Prioritize relationship with our Father. And even though I know this is a turbulent time in our nation, um, and I wanna take a moment to to pray for us, but like I said, I know that this is a turbulent moment in our nation with the elections going on, and there's probably a lot of things stirring in you, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building, wondering what the future of our nation is going to look like. but we're here in church and the reason that we come to church is to align our hearts with God's heart. Is that why you come to church? Because sometimes we can come to church because we want God to affirm where our hearts are and encourage us where our hearts are. But ultimately the, the best thing that can happen for you is for your heart, or for your mind, for your will, for your inner man. To be aligned with God's heart, with his will, with his mind, with his thoughts. And the same thing that we've been talking about has has been leading us to this place. Um, And I believe it's God's heart for us to actually like really, really prioritize intimacy with him and be true worshipers. And so I know that there's a lot going on right now. And I know that, man, people can be, they can be scared. They can be confused. They can be angry. There's a lot of things that can be going on inside you right now. But, man, I I want us to take this moment, this time. I know that, you, man, you might go home. You might watch the news, be on social media. You're going to hear, I don't know, at some point, who won. All these things, man. But for this time, watching online, here, for this time, I want us to focus our mind. Focus our heart, focus our attention and our affections on God, who is able to give us everything that we need, all the wisdom that we need. He said the man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I'm hungry for a word from God tonight. And I hope that you are, because I came to meet God. I came to encounter Jesus tonight. And if you're watching online, I hope that you did the same thing because we don't take any nights off. We don't take any passive nights and we don't take any time to focus just on ourselves. But we always come here to prioritize God and to hear what he has to say. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this time. God, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to even hear your word, to worship you freely, God. The freedom to worship you, God, we don't take for granted. We thank you that you meet us where we are, that we have access to you, that you give us the offer of salvation, which offers us relationship with you. Father, I just pray that every person listening right now would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they could know you better that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, God, woken up, God, woken up out of any potential slumber, that our eyes would wake up in our innermost men to know the hope that you've called us to, to know the riches of the inheritance that you have for us, and to know the power that you've displayed and is available for us in Christ. Father, I pray that we would value your word tonight, Lord, that we would seek you with our whole hearts because you said when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. And so, Father, I thank you for every person who's going to encounter you and find you tonight because they are seeking you with their whole heart. I ask that you would speak to specific situations, Lord, that you would meet us where we are in our circumstances, but also pull our eyes above our circumstances. God, align our perspective with your perspective. Align our hearts with your hearts and our desires with your desires. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. So as I mentioned, uh, this is kind of, last series was just an on-ramp to this one. This, is, this series is called True Worship. True Worship. And I think that's something that we need to know. We need to understand what it really means. Because Jesus said that the Father is looking for true worshipers. And worshipers who will worship in spirit And in truth, and just as we watch this Journey from Samson to David, which is really the journey of all of our lives, the journey of salvation and sanctification, which is just the cleansing process that takes place when we're in relationship with Jesus. That journey is really a journey from being Samson to David. That's been my journey. And I'm not saying that I'm David. I hope I'm more like Jesus than David because that's the ultimate goal and that's who I'm striving to be. And I'm not there yet, but that is my goal in life. I hope it's your goal in life. At one point in my life, I was very much like Samson. And now I'm on this journey to being after God's heart, to just prioritizing, wanting to to be with him, seeking his face, wanting to be in his presence, wanting what he has for me, finding my fulfillment and satisfaction in him. And I've heard it put this way, that Christianity is the transformation of rebels into worshipers of God. That that's really what Christianity is about. You go from just a rebel to a worshiper of God. Has anybody realized that? That at one point you're a rebel, going your own way, living in sin, living life your own way according to your own desires and your own thoughts. And then when you meet Christ, the goal is not just for you to have your sins forgiven and be less of a rebel. The goal is not for you to just like have some Jesus related merchandise that you wear and maybe a bumper sticker on your car. The goal is not for you to come to church on a weekly basis and that's it. The goal is not for you to just like get into heaven like this. Not even knowing God. That's not the goal. God came so that we would know him. And the heart, I'm going to move this up a little bit. Thank you. Um, Thank you for your time. The goal is for us to become worshipers of God. Like when you get saved, if you really get saved, that means you know that you were rescued from something. You know that God's been good to you. You know that he's alive, that he loves you. Something in you changes and you want to start operating differently and you want to just start devoting more of yourself to him. And that's what worship is about. And I want to read this, this story real quick. This is just the beginning. I want to read just in in John one, the apostle John just describes this, this story of this transformation The story of God's, the story of this God who created everything, stepping into his own creation, saving us from our own rebellion against the God who created us, us not even recognizing him or knowing him or receiving him, many of us, and yet he's still offering us salvation. And John 1 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the word, and he's referring to Jesus. So if you have any confusion as to what's happening here, In your mind, you could just swap out the word with Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That means through him, everything you see, through Jesus Christ, everything has been made. You, your friends, your family, the chair you're sitting on, the air that you breathe, everything was made through Jesus Christ. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down to verse 10. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's you and me. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, the Son of God, preexistent, all-knowing, all-powerful, took on human flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the story of God and us. A God who loves his creation that rebels and the God who still gives us the opportunity to be transformed from a rebel into a worshiper. But something in us, man, something in us has trouble receiving him. Some of us have trouble recognizing him. I know for a long time in my life, I had, I had trouble recognizing who God really was and receiving all that God had for me. And if you're in that place, that's okay. Because I believe that there's hope for you. I believe that even just tonight, you can be woken up on the inside and you can start recognizing God You can start recognizing his word. It can start transforming you. And you can start receiving what he has to say. And you can be a worshiper because that's the goal. But yes, there's this beautiful story. What's the issue? The issue is that Jesus is the light of all mankind and the light shines in the darkness. And we have this light in us, but many of us have a light on the inside of us that never comes out. And this is what we're going to talk about for this whole series, because some of us have a light trapped on the inside of us. That's not supposed to be there. Some of us are inhibited. Some of us are reserved in how we can engage with God. But God is looking for worshipers. And worship, man, it's just about how you engage with God. I have a couple definitions of it, but it's just about engaging with God. It's not just about songs. It's not just for singers. It's for everyone. God didn't say he was looking for a worship band, but that he's looking for worshipers. And I believe that there are barriers standing between many of us and God that keep us from fully expressing ourselves, from fully giving ourselves to him. We may receive the truth. We may accept salvation. But I know, man, throughout the church, many of us are not giving our all to God. Many of us are reserved in how we engage with him. And I just know that that's not his will for us. There's been a huge transformation that's taken place in my life because I went from not being in church at all to coming in church, but just kind of wanting to be on my own, not talk to anybody, hands in the pocket. And man, I remember uh, in the sanctuary over there, you know, you walk in, I'm over on the left, all the way in the back up in the stadium seats. And I just remember this one time I've been coming to Victory for a while and I would be getting this like feeling when worship was going on, like the songs were playing. And I remember, like, vividly this one time where, like, I felt like tears, like, welling up. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm just like, every time I come in here, I just start feeling like I'm about to cry. Like, what is going on? This is weird. And I'm just trying to hold it in. Like... Everything I, everything I have, I'm just trying to hold it in, just, you know, chill, just observe, kind of see what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I'm waiting on the sermon, you know, and I'm enjoying, you know, the songs and all that. But at the end of the day, like there was a there was a level that I was at where I didn't understand what God was doing. First and foremost, I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize what he was doing in my life. I didn't recognize that I was engaging with God, that God was engaging with me, that he was actually shifting things on the inside of me. Like that was the Holy Spirit starting to transform me and engage with me in my spirit, in my innermost man. He was bypassing my thoughts because it wasn't my thoughts making me cry. It just wasn't, that's why I didn't understand it. I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything sad. I'm not thinking about anything that deep. This is not one of those moments where I'm just like, oh, God, you saved my life. It wasn't one of those moments. It was just like happening. I just feel this welling up and it wasn't controllable. And God was wanting to interact with me. God wasn't just wanting to interact with me. He was interacting with me. As I was in his house, as I was hearing his word, as his people were worshiping, The Bible says when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst. So he was here just like he's here right now speaking to many of you, wanting to shift things in many of you, wanting to engage with you on a deeper level. But there are barriers, and I believe that God wants to shatter every barrier that's standing between you and a fiery, passionate, (laughs) uninhibited, unrestrained relationship with him. Because it, it for me, it went from like hands in the pockets. Don't know why I feel like I'm about to cry. Don't want to engage or talk to anybody. It went from that to letting some time go by. And then it just in my own personal time, man, I, I started breaking out personally in my own like home. Like I didn't start breaking out in public. But at home, I was lifting my hands and I would the tears would start coming and i'm like yo what is going on early morning appointments with god just speaking to me i'd be receiving from him learning things in his word just man there was just nothing like it there's still nothing like experiencing god that is why there's something so valuable about this christianity that that really does transform us from rebels into worshipers. That was the process I was going through as I was encountering God's love. That's what's so unique about Christ is he's alive and no other God is. So they can't interact with you. They can't shift things on the inside. With all these other religions, you just got to kind of wait it out and see when you die if it's real. And that's not how I'm trying to live. Not when there's a living God who says, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Who will meet me, who will speak to me, who will comfort me, who will aid me and assist me. That'll start turning you into a worshiper. So. As I mentioned, I believe that there are some barriers. For me, uh, a lot of it man, came down to pride, first and foremost, and just trying to be cool. Like, just not wanting to do all that in public, not being used to it, um, you know, not being used to necessarily, like, men, like, lifting hands and, like, expressing themselves to God. But then as I started reading and I started seeing David... Like, David did not care. David was first and foremost a savage. So, like, he was not a punk. Like, you know the song? Like, Saul killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. Like, David was out here. Not soft. But yet, man, there's this one time where the Ark of the Covenant is being brought back, and David is dancing till his clothes fall off. And his wife, Saul's daughter, the one that he, he took over the kingdom from Saul, but he, had been, he, he was married to Saul's daughter uh, after he killed Goliath. And she despised him, like, why are you out here acting like that? dancing all crazy in front of these servant girls, shirt coming all off, what's going on? And he's like, I'll get even crazier than this. Try me. I will go ham because God chose me out of the pasture. When I didn't have a royal bloodline, I didn't have any qualifications. I didn't have a good resume. I did not have what I needed. I was not the strongest or the smartest or the most handsome. I was not the best person on the outside. When, when Samuel came to anoint a king, I wasn't even invited to the party. When he saw me, he didn't think that I was qualified, but God, Chose me over your dad, over your brothers, over everybody in your family to be king. So I will dance. I will worship. I will express myself to God because what he's done for me. When I was on the run for my life from your dad, who kept me? It was God. Were you there? No. No. You were still over here being royal while I was in the caves hiding for my life. There is nobody who has saved me, who's kept me, who's loved me like God. And so I'm going to worship him. And man, at the end of the day, this is God's heart for all of us for this to be all of our story. And so I started seeing that in my own life, but man, what I see with a lot of us as young adults is, man, many of us are still in the reserved place. Many of us still have barriers. Many of us still, maybe we're trying to be cool. Maybe we have issues, man. Maybe we have concerns. Maybe there's, there are just still walls up between us and God, whether it's about the people around us or it's about God himself. But I believe that God wants his church to be a place of worship. Each and every person here engaged to worship God. And so I wanna wanna look at another story, a couple chapters over, uh, and it's about a Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at a well, and she's a woman of many barriers. There were a lot of barriers between her and God, but Jesus, as a Jew, Jews didn't even go through Samaria. Like, I don't know if, if many of you are familiar with the bluff in Atlanta. <laughs> a lot of you guys are not familiar because you don't go there. And Samaria, though it wasn't for, for danger or anything like that, it was just a place that they didn't go. Just like the bluff is a place that a lot of people don't go. They'll find their way around it, but not just go through it. And for the Jews, like Samaria, specifically because there were so many tensions culturally, they despised each other, Jews and Samaritans. So uh, it wasn't common for them to just go through there safely. And Jesus knows that there's a woman in Samaria with a lot of barriers between her and God. And Jesus goes out of his way to go through Samaria, a place that nobody else wanted to go through, to talk to somebody that nobody else wanted to talk to. And she was actually the first person that he revealed himself as the Messiah to. It's, it's very, very interesting. And I think it's a picture of all of us. So I want us to look at this um, because Jesus used this opportunity to communicate the removal of these barriers, that he was coming to remove barriers. And so in John 4, uh, 5 through 24, it says, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, meaning they weren't there to get him anything to drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And what I want us to first see here before we go any further is all she could see was tradition Rules, culture, and it was holding her back from engaging with God. The lens she was looking at life through made her blind to the presence of God and made her deaf to God's voice. I wonder if you have ever found yourself in a similar predicament where the lens that you're looking at life through makes it difficult for you to engage with God. Maybe you don't feel qualified. Man, maybe you feel like you're too far gone. Maybe you just feel like, man, I still have some questions. Maybe, maybe there are some things that you don't understand why God did the way he did or why he allowed certain things. Maybe there are certain things culturally that you just don't mess with. And so you're, you're wanting God to conform to your preferences. And when he doesn't do that, and he comes in a way that doesn't conform to that, you don't even recognize him. And I've seen this happen a lot of times, and there are cults birthed out of it. People who will only look at God through the lens of their culture, and they're blind to who he really is. Blind to the truth of what he really says, even though it's right in front of us. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. He's like, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for stuff. (laughs) And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. How are you going to give me water, bro? (laughs) And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And it's interesting because we hear living water and we see all the spiritual implications. But really, living water in the the day was just like flowing streams of fresh water. And so he's saying, like, you're getting water out this well. I just asked you for a drink and then you... started veering off in the conversation. But if you knew who you were talking to, I could actually give you a water that's superior to the water that you have, you know, like the good kind of water. And she's like, well, according to what I see, you don't have what you need. You don't have the things that I understand are necessary for getting water. And She goes right back into traditions like, who are you to even say you could give me something better than this? Are you greater than Jacob? Like our father, Jacob, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You are trying to say you're better than Jacob who made this well, Jacob drank from this well. And I feel like, man, many people in the church, especially when it comes to worship, it's like, man, who are we to do something new? You think you're better than what we've been doing? You trying to bring something fresh? You trying to say you're better than my pastor? But I digress. (laughs) Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. What's interesting is she's still only seeing like she's still not getting it. She's just like, oh, you can make life more convenient for me. So I never have to be thirsty and I don't have to come to this well to draw water. Please give me this water. And Jesus is like, you still you still don't you still don't get it. You're still missing this. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Because she's like, give me this water. He's like, cool, like, just go get your husband. I'll give you both of y'all this water. Now, as I was studying this, they were saying that this could have meant a couple different things. Um, this, she could have taken this as like, now, mind you, she doesn't know who Jesus is. This is just a dude, a Jewish dude, saying that he could, like, give her good water. You know what I mean? And make her not have to work again, like provide for her. Maybe she's seeing like, yo, this is kind of like a sugar daddy opportunity. And he's like, just go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. I'm single. Cause she's still not getting it. Still not getting what he's trying to do. All of her focus is on tradition, on culture and on her, her temporary needs. And even when God is trying to speak to her about something eternal, she can't receive it. She doesn't recognize it because all of her focus is on the temporary. And that's a barrier that's standing between her and God. I wonder if you are spending your life like many of us can. So focused on the temporary, so focused on the temporal, on what's going on right now that we're totally blind to what God is trying to speak to us. And we can't receive it and we can't recognize it. And it's holding us back from actually being able to worship him in the way that he desires. Because he's trying to engage with her. He's trying to offer her something and she can't even grasp what he's trying to offer her. And how many times is God saying, I love you. I have salvation for you. No, like I really have abundant life for you. What I have for you is better than anything the world can offer. This stuff that you're doing every day that you're coming here and getting this well water and you think it's great because Jacob had it, but Jesus, the one who created Jacob is standing in front of you telling you, I have something better for you and you, you just won't believe it. And I wonder if God is trying to speak to you to say, I know you're concerned about what's going on right now. I know you may be worried But can you believe that I can meet your needs? Can you believe that what I offer to you is better than what anybody could offer to you? Let's keep reading. Jesus said to her, go call her husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband like that man you're living with, is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) I see what's going on here. You're right. I'm not single, technically. And I've been doing a lot of stuff in my life. I perceive that you're, a pro- you're, that you're a prophet and maybe this this exchange is different than, than I thought it was. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody that I didn't realize who I was speaking to. And if you're a prophet, that means that, that you know God. And that means, man, I'm, I'm interacting with somebody who's very different than I would have expected. And there's just a lot going on in her mind and in her heart. And she says... Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now, I I remember preaching this like last year, this this story. And, you know, I was talking about how God was trying to interact with her, but she just kept, she wanted to like, just keep shifting the conversation and and she wanted to talk doctrine. And I feel like God showed me right here that it's deeper than that. That she's having this encounter with, with God. She all of a sudden, I mean, she's just focused on the, the temporary. She's focused on what she's got going on. But um, she thinks this is just some regular dude who's weird and breaking all the cultural norms. And then she realizes when he starts telling her about her life, she's like, oh, like, you know God. And I'm a Samaritan. And so the temple Where you're supposed to worship God is in Jerusalem and I'm not allowed there. So I can't engage with God. And so there is a fundamental issue here that I'm having this encounter with God, but there's a barrier here from my culture and who I am. And you know that I'm sinful because you just said that I've had five failed marriages and I'm living with somebody who I'm not married to. So... Let me ask you this question. If I did engage with you, would I even be able to have relationship with God? Because from what I understand, I'm not qualified. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. It's not about where you are, even though Even though right now it technically is like you're not all the way wrong. He says, you worship what you do not know. As a Samaritan, you don't really know God. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. So you're not wrong. However, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth, not on a mountain, not in a temple, but in their spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. God is not confined to a temple. God is not confined to a tent. God is not confined to tradition. God is not confined to a culture. God is not confined to a country. God is not confined to a language. God is not confined to a nation. God is spirit and everything that is created that has spirit. Us who were created in the image of God, through who God breathed the breath of life, his spirit into us, he wants us to be able to engage with him and to worship in spirit and in truth. And so as he said, the father is seeking such people to worship him. And the question that I wanna ask you and I, would you say, are you and I such people? I want you to ask that question, man. Am I the kind of worshiper God is looking for? Because the barrier has been removed. This barrier that that she... And she was like rightfully explaining some barriers. She wasn't wrong, but Jesus is saying, man, I came out of this way. I came all this way off of the beaten path to a a place that people don't normally want to go to to meet you and to tell you that, man, I know there have been barriers. I know that as a woman, man, you're not highly looked on in society. I know that as a Samaritan, uh, you're not highly looked on by the Jews. I know that as somebody who's had five failed marriages and currently living with somebody who you're not married to, I know that there's a lot of disgrace. There's a lot of shame, but you are exactly who I came for. You're exactly who I want to engage with. The, the people whose who society doesn't look on highly, this, this is who I came for to let you know that there is no barrier between you and me. That the salvation that I'm offering, this living water that I'm offering you, what I'm offering you as God himself, there's no barrier. Like I came to break that down so that there's nothing standing between me and you. Not your past sin, not your culture, not the language you speak, not how society looks at you, nothing, nothing in your past can stand between you and God. That's what Jesus was coming for. And so are you somebody who lives from that understanding, from that revelation? Uh, as we're looking at worship, I know you're like, oh, you might be asking like, well, so what is worship? Uh, there's a book definition. Worship is the expression of reverence and adoration of God. Um, to personalize it a little bit more, here's what I would say. I would say worship is the outward expression of a love relationship with God. Worship is the outward expression of a love relationship with God. If we could just leave that up there a little bit longer. I, I, want, I want us to focus on that. It's an outward expression of a love relationship with God. It starts with a love relationship, and worship is just the outward expression of it. It's both An act and an attitude. It's it's what you think, it's how you feel, and how you behave. Worship is all of those things. It's much more than just songs. It takes place on the inside. That's why Jesus says, worshiping in spirit, on the inside. It takes place in the heart, in the spirit. That's why why David says in Psalm 103, verse one, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Everything that's inside of me, give yourself to God. Bless him. To bless means to kneel down in, in that Hebrew language. And he's just talking about everything that's inside of me, give reverence, bow before God consistently, like let that be my heart posture, that I'm consistently bowed before God, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. Everything that's within me is honoring God and true worship is a lifestyle. That's what this comes down to. And I feel like that is even a little bit overused to the point that we can sometimes miss what it really means and not really take inventory and evaluate whether our lifestyle is one of true worship. Man, is, is everything that we're doing like acknowledging God? In Proverbs 3:6 it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Talking about God, and he will make straight your paths. That's worship. Everything that I do, every conversation that I have, every place that I go, when I'm driving in the car, uh, when I'm in church, whether I'm worshiping with my hands or singing, or I'm just giving my attention to receive what God is saying. When I'm opening the Bible, when I'm praying, all of these things are acts of worship. When I'm going to, to do something charitable in his name, it's worship. Everything, man, how I, how I navigate a conversation when I don't turn up on somebody because I want to honor God. It's worship. It's worship restraining myself. He says to tame my tongue. Now, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so if, if he wants me to speak life, I'm going to speak life out of worship of him. How I treat my spouse is worship of God. How I treat the people around me, my family, my friends, if he tells me to honor my mother and father, I'm going to honor them, not because they deserve it, but out of worship to God. Not saying you don't deserve to be honored, mom and dad, if you're watching. <laughs> but just saying that everything that I, can, that I do, it's not just about the other people. It's not just about like justifying myself in my mind. It's not about living life my own way, but Christianity following Christ takes me from a rebel to a worshiper and I can acknowledge him in all of my ways. And I feel like uh, personal worship was modeled very well by King David. And there's a, man, there is this, this story, man, where, where David is on the run for his life from his own son. Like, as I was, I was reading this, and I was like, man, David, David was cool, but I would not want this man's life. Not going to lie. He went through a lot of difficult things. Like repeatedly, his life was just not easy. And even, you know, the success story happened. He became king, and then he still had a bunch of issues. His family was out of control. He lost a bunch of his sons. Um, He just went through tragedy after tragedy, uh, through a lot of difficult things. His own son uh, tries to get him killed and tries to take over the, the kingdom and David has to flee for his life with all of his men, with all of his family. I was reading where he's like, I mean, this is the king, but like his son had been plotting on him for years and like turn the hearts of the people against him. And so when David finds this out, he's like, oh, we gotta go. Like everybody, we have to go or like my son's gonna come kill us. And I'm just imagining like, yo, how this had to feel after everything you've been through, all you've done, all that you've seen God do in your life, and your own son, like you're king. How does this happen? Your own son, man, turns the heart to the people, to him, and now you're, you're in fear of your life again. And he's having to be escort. He's walking out of the city that he's king of with all his people with his whole family. Imagine the shame, like you're king and you're having to walk out of your own city. Like, and I got to do this because I know if I don't, I'm gonna put all these people at risk. And he's on the run for his life. He's out in the desert of Judah. And he writes Psalm 63. And I I had already planned on teaching on this scripture before I knew the story and the context where he was when he wrote it, Uh, because it's beautiful. But it's, it's even more beautiful knowing where he was and what he was going through when he wrote it. Psalm 63, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water Before we go, I just want to give you guys a few keys that I saw in here, and we'll continue on with it in the rest of the series. But keys to true worship that we see right here in the life of David in terms of personal worship. You're talking about being a true worshiper, like worship as a lifestyle. Number one, true worship starts with a personal exclusive relationship. Exclusive personal relationship what was standing between the samaritan woman and god was she had no access to a personal relationship she couldn't go to the temple uh many of us know about like you know the veil being torn and 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 we'll sing it you know the veil tore before you um but like we forget that if we're not jews we weren't even able to go into the temple much less up to where the veil was like we were outsiders totally outsiders. Like we could just like look at the temple from the outside. We couldn't go in there, but Jesus came to break down every barrier that stood between us and him and offers us a personal exclusive relationship with him. But unfortunately many people know who God is, but their relationship hasn't become personal. And that's where you have spectatorship in worship because you know who God is and you may see other people worshiping him, but that relationship hasn't necessarily become personal. And so you're not having a personal exchange with God, but God desires for us to be his people and for him to be our God and his desire for that fuels our worship. That's where it comes from. It starts from there. He says, Oh God, you are my God. That's how he starts it off, personal relationship. You're not just a God. You're not just a God I've heard of. You are my God. And that's what God wants for you. He wants to be your God. Like not just the God that you've seen move in other people's lives, the God that you've heard of speaking to other people. God wants to be your God and for you to be his person, his son, his daughter. That's what he came for. And he wants that relationship to be exclusive. Like, if I say, God, you're my God, that means I don't have any other gods. You're my God. And, but that was most of Israel's biggest struggle was dancing that line between, God, you're our God. But we also like these other gods that everybody else worships. And we kind of want to do what they're doing. And we want to dress like them and act like them and do all the things that they do. And even though that's totally contrary to everything that you want, We want to toe the line. And so many of them were never able to really experience what David experienced, which was intimacy with God. Again, David was not perfect, but intimacy with God. God, you're my God. How many of you feel that way on the inside? Like, man, God is my God. I've seen you move in my life. I've heard you speak. And some of you want that. And it's available for you. Like God wants to be your God, not just the God that speaks to me and the God that speaks to other people. But he wants to be the God that speaks to you, moves in your life, reveals himself to you, goes out of his way to meet you at your well and talk to you about your life and how he wants to break down every barrier that stands between you guys and turn you into a real worshiper. Two, true worship involves effort. After he says, God, you're my God, he says, earnestly, I seek you. And uh, I'd say true worshipers are not passive. They are passionate. Earnestly, I seek you. That word there means early and to look for early and diligently. He's saying early and diligently will I seek you. I don't just come into like the house of God and I'm just chilling like this. Like I was. Like that was not I was not er, like earnestly seeking God, but as I started encountering him, he started shifting things in me. I started understanding his love for me and it made me want to seek him, made me want more of him. All, all, this is not about works. This is not about working to obtain salvation. This is not about working to obtain God's approval or his love. It's about knowing that you have God's approval and his love, and then putting effort into your relationship with him. Because all relationships require effort to flourish. Amen, ain't that right, baby? We know our relationship, Gabrielle and I, it requires effort to flourish. We can't just wake up, not pay any attention to each other, not talk to each other and say we have a great marriage. In the same way, you cannot be in a relationship with God, never engage with him, never offer anything to him, never speak to him, only complain to him and say that the relationship is flourishing. He wants a relationship with you. And not just adherence to rules, but he wants your heart. And when he has your heart, he'll have your effort. In fact, he says that in Hebrews eleven six, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He desires for us to pursue him so much that he rewards us when we do it. God wants a relationship with you. God can never make you pursue him. Like, he won't force your hand. And so when we worship, we give him something that he won't demand of us. Like, do you understand that if I just told my wife, hey, like, I want this every single day. I want this every single day. I want this every single day. And she does that like, that's cool. But man, when she, in her own will, out of love for me, does something for me, that's different. And God has given us free will and desires relationship with us. And he wants us to experience him. And he also wants to experience us. God wants to experience you not just the person preaching on the platform, not just the person singing. God wants to hear your voice. God wants to see your hands lifted. God wants to experience what it's like for you to worship him because only you can worship him in the way that you can. Your voice may not sound like Amy's. None of us do. But he wants to hear your voice. Do you believe that? Man, if... If there were enough people, he wouldn't have created you. But he created you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to experience you. And I just believe that the time is going to come where we're louder than everybody on the stage. Because, like, three people shouldn't be louder than, like, all of us. And you, too, online. Get loud in your house. And then come back. (laughs) Uh, Three, true worship is birthed from a deep desire. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so he was in a desert. So he was actually experienced physical longing and and thirst, but he was equating that to his desire for God. And I'll say, man, like you'll never truly worship God without a deep desire for him. You can know who he is. you You can acknowledge him. You can say, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. But if I don't want to, Like if I don't have a desire for God, I'm not really going to seek him. I'm not going to engage with him. And, And some of you guys might feel like, man, I don't really have a desire for him. Well, the good news for you is that, you know, our desire for God is not like regular hunger that comes from a lack. And so like when you're hungry for food, it's because you haven't had food. But with God, the more you get, the more you want. And so our desire is stirred by engaging with him. So you start getting in the word, you start praying, you start seeing like, oh, God, you respond to me. I want more of that. Earnestly, I will seek you early and diligently. Will I seek you? Personally, I've been like getting a little bit better, you know, even in just my morning routine of journaling. That's something that I've been working on lately of doing better, not just at reading, but also at writing and seeing the different level of revelation that God has given me when I'm writing Is making me want to do that. Like I'm waking up more excited to engage with him because he's speaking to me. And so it's making me like desire him. And that only comes from encountering with him, which is the fourth point. True worship involves encounter and experience with God. He says, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He's saying, I've seen you, God. I've looked at you. I've beheld you. I've experienced you. I've encountered with you. And that's what drives my desire for you. That's what makes me believe in you. And that's what makes me want to worship you because you're beautiful. You're amazing. When you've had an encounter with the love of God, that's what starts turning you into a worshiper. God, you can have everything. I don't care what anybody's thinking. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to get to heaven and like try to start like learning how to worship. Do you? You want to get there and you spent your whole life just like working on earthly things and then you have no idea how to engage with God. You have nothing to talk about. Like, oh, God, like I want to have conversations With Jesus, like, man, when you said this to me, man, when you did this, when you answered this, when you like our relationship is just like continuing. The Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal the matter and it's the glory of man to seek it out. Like God, God will conceal things just for us to seek him on it and engage with us like he wants this relationship with us and I feel that in my spirit like I'm looking forward to eternity because God has concealed some things that I'm trying to seek out and he's concealed what his face looks like he's concealed what it really feels like to be in his presence man what it really feels to be truly known like in his presence I get glimpses of it here but I want the whole thing I want to like really know him. Like I'm looking forward to eternity. If you're one of the people who's just like not trying to go to hell, I feel you, (laughs) but there's better for you. God came to have relationship with you, man. God desires for us to experience him. I'll close with uh, this scripture in Isaiah 29, 13 through 14. God is talking about his people, Israel, and he's saying, man, they've, they've gotten far from me. They've, uh, they don't really understand me. They don't really know me all that well anymore. He's saying, it says, the Lord said, because this people, they draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. Man, that means like we could be singing songs. We could be saying the right things. We can have our hands lifted, but our hearts are not really like having an encounter or an experience. We're not like really giving ourselves, like we're not kneeled before God. We're not bowing down before him. We're not in reverence. We're not in awe of him. We're not like really wanting to engage with him in our innermost being, even though that's what he's desiring for us. But we could still be saying all the right things. We could still be doing all the right things. And he's saying, because this people, they've been like that and their fear of me, their their, their respect of me, their reverence of me, their awe of me is simply a commandment taught by men. People told them that they should fear me, but, but they don't because they haven't really experienced me. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. He's saying, man, because like my people don't have relationship with me, I'm about to show up again. And I just believe that like right here for you and I for fusion. I believe that for you watching online, I believe that for Victory Church, I believe that for the church at large across the globe, I, I believe that God is wanting to stir something inside of us. I believe he's wanting to reveal himself in a fresh way. I believe that he's still seeking true worshipers, like worshipers who, who don't care about where they are, who don't care necessarily about the song being sang, who don't care about all the, the traditional, like cultural things, but like worshipers who will engage with him like on the inside. And I believe that he's seeking that. And and because he wants that, he's going to do like he does in this scripture right here. And he's going to start revealing himself in some new ways. He's going to start doing some wonderful things. He's going to start showing up, (laughs) manifesting his presence because he's here. But there's one thing, there's one thing to like to have the presence of God and, and for him to be present. And there's, there's something special that happens when, He reveals himself in a new way, in a fresh way, and starts manifesting his presence. And so we see, like in the book of Acts, where they'll pray and the Holy Spirit will do something. Like, I mean, he's moving like a rushing wind or he shakes the place where they are. Like, he like does something that says, I'm here. I hear you. I love you. You're my people. I want you to know me. I want you to know that I heard you not just have to think I heard you. I want you to know it. And so I'm gonna start doing some wonderful things in your midst. And man, if you'll all stand to your feet, we're actually about to have the band come out um, and we're about to to take an opportunity to engage with God in this way, in the way that he's desiring, like worshiping him from the inside. Because God loves you. He loves you and when you understand his love for you the more that you understand his love for you man the more you'll want to be like David and like man I don't care what people might think I don't care what people might perceive of me because God is good the fact that he's he's, he'll meet me at my well and he'll talk to me about my life the fact that he'll break down all the barriers that are between me and him he'll he'll erase my past He'll overlook, like, my bad attitude sometimes, my bad heart posture sometimes, the things that I've said, the things that I've done, the things that I've looked at, and he'll, he'll give me another chance and say, look, I still want this love relationship with you. I still want to reveal myself to you. I want you to know me, not just hear what people said about me. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. And, man, I, I want us to take an opportunity. If you're watching online, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to lift your hands, everybody in the building. If you'll just take an opportunity to lift your hands. David said in that scripture, in your name, I will lift my hands. Man, and I I want you to take this opportunity to engage with God in maybe a way that you haven't been engaging with him lately. Maybe, Maybe you've been a little bit more passive than you've been passionate. And it doesn't mean you have to put on a show for anybody, but I mean just worshiping Him, you and God. God wants to experience His people worshiping Him, experience His people engaging with Him. He wants to hear our voices. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants to hear our hearts crying out to His. He wants to hear our worship of Him. He wants us to bless His name with all that's within us. And so as we sing this song, I want us, we, all of us, to be singing this song and not spectating. Let me pray and then we'll go. Father, we we thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you, Lord. And and as we step into this time of worship, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us here. Lord, I know it's it's your word that says you're in the midst, God. It's you who said that you wanna reveal yourself. It's you who's coming after your children. It's you who's breaking down the barriers. So it's not about what I say, but Lord, I pray that we see you that we hear you, that we feel you, God. I pray that your people, even in the midst of a turbulent time, will have the peace that surpasses understanding, guarding our hearts and guarding our minds, filled with a revelation of your love and expressing our love relationship to you in worship. God, help us to break free. Help us to break down the barriers, Lord. Help us to just give our entire hearts to you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.